Yes, it's your boy Jay Barber with Studio Noise coming at you with a special edition of Studio Noise. I partner with the good folks over at State Home Gallery, supporting their 2021 Curatorial Fellowship, which is helping nurture the next generation of women and non-binary emerging curators. I was partnered with an amazing sister, Miss Jasmine Wilson. I've known her from her time she spent interning at Zukai Gallery, who curated the exhibition. The exhibition is titled Inward, and Inward is inspired by our collective isolation and intimate encounters with ourselves. It centers the work of artists who confront their beauty, identity, and personal struggles through portraiture. And so I got the opportunity to talk with Jasmine and all nine artists from the show. So I could take that and, and, you know, put it all together. I can put a nice little bow on it, chop it up for you. Uh, but this is the noise. This is not this American life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, this is not like cereal. I'm not taking all this stuff and, and chopping it up and making a nice little story from you. No, no, no. This is the noise where we let the artists speak for themselves, yo. And so rather than, you know, me doing all this extra work, chopping it up, I mean, who's going to be making art while I'm doing all this podcast editing? You know what I'm saying? Like, instead of doing all that, I'd rather give you the voices of the artists themselves. Right. And then that way you can hear it. You can feel it. All the attention and emotions and all the passion and all that good stuff. You get it straight from the artists themselves. So Studio Noise is now bringing you the stories behind this virtual exhibition. You can go see the show at stayhomegallery.com slash exhibitions slash inward. And think of these episodes as the mini artist talk that goes along with the show. So I want you to go, go to the website, check out the show. You can come back and forth between all the episodes. Each individual artist get their own episode so they can talk about the pieces included in the show. But today we get to have a great conversation with the curator herself, Miss Jasmine Wilson. Talk about the show everything that went into her time with the good folks at Stay Home Gallery, all that good stuff brought to you by the one and only noise. So hopefully we get to do more of this kind of thing, uh, again, behind the exhibitions, doing a lot of partnerships, teaming up and hopefully bring you back so you can enjoy more of this. What we got going on right now, this noise, yo. So this is experimental. It's going to be a lot of episodes flooding your timeline, but don't worry. Just take, sit back and enjoy it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all good, yo. So, Hopefully you enjoy this. And right now we're bringing in the curator for the show, Miss Jasmine Wilson. How you doing, girl? I am fantastic. How are you doing today, Jamal? I'm good, Joe. I'm good. Me and Jasmine already know each other. You used to intern at Zucot and amongst other things you do, you got a wide list of stuff. Uh, you got your BA from Howard. You're pursuing your master's in African-American studies at Clark Atlanta. Big shout out to Clark. Um, you done a curatorial fellowship at studio museum in Harlem. Like you, you've done like so much, yo, what brings you here to this moment right now? Well, firstly, thank you for having me. I am so grateful for this partnership with studio noise. This moment is, um, it's really special. It's really special for me. I've been in grad school. I'm in my second year of my master's at Clark. And when I signed up to do this curatorial fellowship, I knew that it was something that was needed in my career. And um, I wanted to have to carve out that time to 
think a bit more about what it means to be a curator and to pursue a project that would allow me to curate, but with the space, you know, to do it online, obviously, given that we're still pretty much virtual at this mm. moment in the pandemic. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that Stay Home Gallery, it actually came came to me through my relationship with Lauren Harris, who is the co-founder of Black Women in Visual Art, an amazing arts organization that champions the work of Black women who are doing this work and uh, was actually my first boss <laughs> in the arts <laughs> and was, as you know, gallery manager at Zucat, um in 2018 and 2019. So things are kind of coming full circle for me as I pursue this fellowship at this time and and thinking about what it means to use my my initial interest in art as a writer to communicate um, my interests in curating and working with artists as well. And so the Stay Home Gallery Curatorial Fellowship uh, is a 13-week program focused on building technical skills, strengthening curatorial concepts, and creating community. Now, obviously, I know what <laughs> what attracted you to that, but what has your experience been like in this program over the time? It has been wonderful. Firstly, I have to acknowledge Pam and Kaylin, who are the co-directors of Stay Home Gallery for opening their doors for the first time to even have this fellowship. And through participating, I've met so many wonderful curators, artists, professors, scholars, different women, and um, also non-binary art professionals who are experienced, who are emerging, mid-level career, et cetera, um, who share my same commitment to the arts and i think it's there's something really special about having the opportunity to connect with so many different people across time zones mm -hmm. um, during this time that has been very instrumental in my ability to see things differently um, and what i mean by that is just opening my eyes a bit to how other people build these worlds that we call exhibitions and it has informed my eye as a curator because i'm more aware of the different knowledge and the different experiences that people bring to these shows so for example um you know throughout our throughout our program i learned a lot more about the different settings in which shows can happen one for example a magazine called Milk Magazine that I wasn't familiar with prior to this fellowship specializes in using the magazine and the publication as a platform to do curatorial work. And prior to that, I hadn't really thought about <laughs> a magazine being that space. Right. Yeah. Um, so used so to think, exhibitions being defined in a certain way. Yeah. I'm used to like either the show is outside, it's in public space right. or it is obviously in the white cube the white walls, or yep. a gallery, but um, this fellowship opened my eyes to people who are doing shows in their homes, doing show, curating shows on their refrigerators, <laughs> hmm. 
Um, and, you know, even thinking about the publication. So curating is really what you make it, especially in a pandemic, you know. Right. And so what what do you think your vision is as a curator? I think it's still something that I'm defining right now. Um, a lot of it is informed by my interests in writing and art criticism and in speaking with mentors of mine. They have stressed the importance of being able to write and curating, being heavily rooted in your ability to articulate your ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say it's it's still it's still developing, but always kind of has some sort of connection to whatever it is that I'm thinking about. So in a way it's about me and it's also about creating room for other people to kind of meet me in a conversation um, via their practice and the work that they produce, which definitely is is the, the logic and the inspiration behind this show. So let's get into this show a little bit and talk about what was the the foundation of it? Like what kicked it off? What was the one straight mm-hmm. thought that made you think it's time to put together a show that's examining kind of this inward focus that you talk about? Mm-hmm. At first when we were, well, we already knew that at the start of the program that we were going to have to conceive of an exhibition, you know, to be presented with Stay Home Gallery. So in a way, I kind of knew that it was coming, but when that proposal was due, <laughs> I, I definitely... It sneaks up on you, the deadline. Yeah, I definitely had that moment of, okay, I had to sit myself down and, and reflect a bit to say, okay, what do I what do I want to say right now? Um, and in reflecting on my experience during the pandemic, which has prompted so much internal... Um, conversation and confrontation with parts of myself that I did not even know were there, right? Like my body went through changes during this time. Um, My mind, my spirit, all the different parts of me have evolved during the pandemic in ways that I'm still processing. I think we are all very much processing this time. And when I thought about how that felt, like that, that feeling of going within and only really having my inner voice as that authority in my life as a result of being isolated for so long and not being able to feel myself in the ways that I did in the past by connecting with certain people and having those reminders that I am this person and I can do these things I didn't have much of a choice except for to rely on that inner voice um, and to tap into that those parts of myself that are less visible um, and are more so, I would honestly say spiritual in a way, kind of like, you know, getting in touch with my intuition more and just having to dig in and trust myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and when... I thought about what that felt like. It made me think of what other people may have been going through as well. So although you may be surrounded by your family and a few friends um, who you may have seen, you know, somewhat safely, that doesn't change the fact that this time made all of us feel somewhat lonely and somewhat isolated and alone. 
Um, mm, and sure. I wanted this, I wanted this show to invite other people to heal and to process what that experience has been like of being inside your head all day because you're sitting in the same room, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you know, going to going through the same motions of getting up, sitting at your desk, being on your computer all day and trying to break up your day because it's just you in your head all day long. So that was really what I wanted to do was kind of figure out what other people had to say what other people had been going through and that was where it kind of naturally lended itself to this idea of a portrait or and or focusing on how people render their this idea of themselves or their inner self right um yeah that's kind of how it all came together what was your situation like during the pandemic like how was your setup Mm -hmm. um so for me you know i've been living at home and Home just alone? like no I live with my family okay. I'm really grateful to live with my family and that's been a blessing um how many people um just me and my parents so okay. it's just the three of us and um you know I think it it was challenging at times because my parents are working just as much as I am but being in graduate school I think has a different layer to it because as you know as you know, I know you just finished your MFA, like doing intellectual work <laughs> at a time when you're trying to process, you're mentally trying to process what's one, what's going on with you, two, what's going on in the world, and then three, trying to think at a relatively higher level um, in terms of critically uh, showing up in class and having critical ideas and um, conversation that you're offering in a group setting. Yeah. It's definitely a bit different, um, you know, trying to meet those expectations of professors and colleagues who, who think so highly of you and your abilities. Um, And that I think is that change kind of, I think that makes my experience a bit, I don't want to say unique, but just different than like someone who was just going to work um, and working in a nine to five that's more, um, I don't even want to say different, but I think it's just different being in school and, um, you know, like trying to work in that way versus working more so in like a traditional like nine to five kind of capacity. Oh, yeah. I mean, academia already has its own. Uh, difficulties associated with it. and the the last year of my mm-hmm. MFA was definitely complicated <laughs> to say yeah, the, to say the least yeah <laughs> to, to say the it's least uh and and to try to get through it because uh, um part of my struggle was also tinged with the idea that is this even worth doing like in a time mm-hmm. like this right mm-hmm. and so that that makes it even even more it's called <laughs> it's almost like when you work out and it's like oh should I should I even be working out right now like you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, but yeah. trying to stay focused at the same time, and like you said, think of, think of, and write and produce um, mm-hmm. at a at a master's quote unquote master's level um, for what you're doing. So, I mean, mm-hmm. kudos for you for getting through it. Like, how was the experience for you, man? How would you describe um, it? <laughs> well, I'm done with my coursework, which I am very happy. Oh <laughs> to yeah, be done with taking classes. 
Um, and so I'm in the last stage of writing my thesis, which is about exploring the African aesthetic symbolism of Simone Lee, who is an artist and sculptor. Mm, love her of, work, yeah. Yes, yes, she's fantastic. Um, and I'm going to be doing more of an African aesthetic analysis of her sculpture, Brick House which um, originally was commissioned for the New York Highline in 2019 and is a 16-foot tall sculpture of a Black woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's really beautiful. And I'm, I'm grateful to have chosen this project because it's, you know, Simone Lee describes her audience as being primarily Black women. So it's nice to be in conversation with her in that way where she's through her artwork has constructed this community just for us and to be kind of in her in her world right at a time where so much is happening in the world particularly to black people and black women um it's definitely given me some some much needed inspiration as i'm thinking through the decisions and choices that she's made um, in her work yeah, that's got to be fascinating, yo. I don't, I don't, and my project was more about me, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And not so much about other people. But during the times that you do, like, actually study um, the works of other people and see how it relates to all those other things, like, that's when you really start to get um, some real breakthroughs, you know what I'm saying, in terms of connecting dots and getting um, to the source of the ideas, you know what I'm saying? Like, not just the surface mm-hmm. examination of, Oh, you know, it's beautiful. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Which it is. Like the work is just captivating, man. Yeah, it's, phenomenal. it's really like mesmerizing. It'll put you in a trance almost if you stand too long next to it. <laughs> um, but but yeah, in a yeah, I think the I chose her because I've taken a few classes on African aesthetics, as well as African art, particularly symbols and masks. Mm -hmm. That was one of the most recent classes I took with my mentor, uh, Dr. Daniel Black, who is a phenomenal professor at Clark Atlanta University. And um, in thinking about what African people are doing in terms of art and what art means within an African worldview, I look to Simone as an example of someone who, although her work, although she is considered American technically, her work has so many motifs and thematic elements that are rooted in what I argue to be more of an African consciousness. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's actually coming full circle because when I was at Zucat and I was writing on the gallery's blog, I wrote about Brick House then. And I did more of a summary of the work. I wasn't saying anything critical about it, but I actually wrote about that piece then. So to think that I was thinking about, to think that I was reflecting on her work then and then receiving the knowledge and the in the training to be able to read her work on a more metaphysical level now as a grad student, things are definitely, you know, making their way home. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's what's up, yo. 
So as we talk about this project, um, Inward, that you produce, um, tell me about the submission process and how it was for you to go through that, go through selecting these works. It was, it was really tough. <laughs> Let me just start there. It was really tough because I received almost 100 submissions. And nice. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. And this call, I didn't charge anyone. It was just a free open call. I didn't want any barriers keeping anyone from um, being able to, to submit. So I just left it as a free call. And um I'm I'm really grateful too that I was selected or was able to do it in the summer because of my thesis <laughs> and everything that I have going on in November and October. So that was really dope. Um, but yeah, we had almost a hundred people submit, and you can imagine the different types of work that came through. Yeah, probably all kinds um, of stuff. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Like some things resonated, some things did not. Um, but going back to the exhibition, you know, my, my statement, my curatorial statement for the show and thinking about what it means to be isolated during this time, like reading and going through all these works brought those feelings back up again because it, it really was just me. Although Kaylin and Pam were obviously a resource that I could rely on. It's, there's a difference between having someone next to you and being like, girl, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Or having someone to ask you, well, why did you choose that? Or why are you attracted to that? Or, um, you know, it's it's really just on you to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And that was empowering as much as it was a bit scary <laughs> because I was I didn't want to make any mistakes. I didn't want to. um miss anything i didn't want you know i had to i had to question my goals for the show in relationship to the works that were submitted as well as you know what would go together uh, thematically as well as visually and then you also have the aspect of what's going to look good online because although there were there were some works that were submitted that i thought were strong i also had to be considerate of how they're going to look quite literally on a phone Right. right. Like most people are looking at this work on their phone. So right. if you have and that's the that's the that's the downfall of trying to do what we do in this Internet space is that you can't see texture as much. You can't see um, size. You can't feel the work as much, which definitely drives my practice. And is the first question that I'm asking whenever I'm in a in an exhibition is what is the work? speaking over me what is it making me feel right so i had to create my own criteria for myself and hold myself accountable to what i said i had originally set out to do as a curator and then also being responsible to the artists to make sure that the caliber of work that was presented was complementary to mm -hmm. each other um and honored one another in their own artist statements and goals as well as you know thinking about the theme and wanting variance i think i wanted i wanted this show to to kind of be connected and to be rooted in this theme but i also wanted different things as well i wanted different perspectives i wanted different experiences from the artists who submitted and and that's that's what i think i've accomplished with this show 
Give me a few highlights, y'all, of, mm-hmm. of what's included and what really like spoke to you. Absolutely. So I can start with Anne Dawkins, whose work originally struck me because of the feeling that it gave me in looking at the ways that she renders her subject in conversation with fruit and this idea of rotting. So thinking about the body and what our physical body has the capacity to do and not do, Mm -hmm. um, how it's affected by illness, trauma, disease, and how that metaphor of fruit kind of having that similar those similar characteristics, right? Where you have something that is so beautiful and is uh, nourishing and abundant, but at some point goes through this process of decay, much as our bodies do. And as uh, during the pandemic, obviously so many people's bodies have experienced that. Um, Her work definitely struck me as, as something that, um, as something that had, had a unique, kind of take on the body, on the inner self and how we relate to our bodies. I also really appreciated Kaylee Aldrich. The work that Kaylee does is informed by, um, I believe their, their perspective as a dancer and as a boxer and seeing the work and reading their statement um, about movement and dance and and seeing that present in the paintings that they submitted, as well as the like seeing how motion is visualized in relationship to the idea of the self was also very powerful to me. And then going a bit international, um, there were some there were some submissions from artists who um, actually are not based in the United States and Roana or Roanna, I haven't met them yet, but <laughs> um, Roanna's work, who is from Nigeria and currently based in Nigeria, um, was also one example of an artist who has the ability to render their figure and their subject with a sense of texture and also emotion. Um, I'm thinking of Waiting for Florence, which is a painting that depicts the subject with their back facing the viewer and is surrounded by this pink and purple background. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a certain softness to this painting that resonated with me, um, as well as a, I think there's, I think vulnerability is something that is a thread throughout this show, but this particular painting was one that I found to be um, one that made me reflect a bit and, and think about how I view myself, um, particularly, you know, in this nude figure, right? So what it means to kind of bear myself and be in, be in conversation with my body 
as well as how someone else may be viewing my body or how my body is received. Um, this particular painting was one that I really enjoyed um, sitting with while, while reviewing works. What are you thinking about while you're like looking through all the entries? I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about what, what calls forth something, like what triggers something in me, be it what's constructive, what is hard to look at, what's difficult, um, what makes me feel some sort of emotion that I haven't felt or may remind someone of a part of themselves that they may have lost during this time. Mm -hmm. I think like those were all different ideas that I had circulating in my mind of the colors that are being used, the ways that texture has its own presence, even in this online framework, as well as what are some ways that people are thinking beyond just like the physical or the the material self? So Krista, Krista Diedrich Lay's work is also really instrumental to me in terms of like the absence of a face or the absence of like what we view, what we typically think of as a as a portrait of self and quite literally what it what's within us and um, the work definitely deals with like visualizing what's what sits inside of us and giving color and image to that so I was definitely thinking about how these artists were processing and sitting with and defining for themselves and turning inward what's within ourselves and how that how that manifested either on the canvas or in the work that they presented um, in their submission. And lastly, just to go back to kind of the start of our conversation and talking about curatorial vision, like what is it about curating and creating these uh, group exhibitions or bodies of, 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 I don't want to say it like that. What is it about creating these exhibitions that's calling to you or that, or that you want to accomplish in the end with all of it? Mm-hmm. It's about saying something, which goes back to my practice as a writer. You know, if I'm writing something, if I'm reviewing a show, I have something to say about it. I have something to offer to the conversation that I feel like no one else is is saying out loud and or expressing. And curating allows me to create an environment for other people to say something. So it's more of a, an, an offering in a sense. Like I feel mm-hmm. like my writing, my writing is more about me. <laughs> like my writing is like, I have to say this thing about this show. And right. like, this is why y'all should know it. Or this is why I felt this show. And I'm going to give a breakdown as to why. Right. Um, but curating is more of like, I'm thinking about this thing. I may not have, I may not have the space or the words to say it in a thousand words, but I still would like to create an environment where other people can be in conversation and can use their language 
as visual art to address an issue that I feel like no one is is talking about. Um, like I think the role of the writer is to tell the truth and to say something, say the thing out loud that people are afraid to say, right? And this show is about saying that, like we've all been inside our heads, we've all been inside ourselves. So it makes the most sense to me to invite other people who have this language of, of art and beauty to be able to open up that discussion for all of us to then reflect and to think about, oh, dang, okay, there's some people who are dealing with illness right now. And that may be happening inside of their of their body, but we can't see that. But this is, it doesn't change the fact that it's still happening, right? Like there are people who are undergoing surgeries, who are having seizures, who are, who feel like they cannot physically move because they're dealing with chronic illness. And sometimes there are invisible elements to our inner experiences and our inner worlds that do not necessarily have the the platform to be expressed. Mm-hmm. And it, through curating, I think it allows me to open that door and that pathway so that there's room for other people to join me in this in this process of writing, which is really which is really about thinking. It's just inviting us to think through certain ideas and certain topics while using visual art as our primary method and framework. I love it, Joe. <laughs> That's it. Just Jasmine Wilson. Tell them where they can find you. So y'all can find me online. I'm on Instagram at will, W-I-L dot jazz, J-A-S. And um, I will be around. Y'all will see me eventually <laughs> <laughs> graduating from Clark. Pray for me. Um, and yes, uh, you can also find me just writing, doing criticism. I'm doing um, Burnaway Magazine's art writing incubator program right now, which I'm really excited about. Nice, yeah. We'll be publishing something with them very soon. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me right now. That's what's up, y'all. We got to check out the show at stayhomegallery.com slash exhibition slash inward. And you also tune in to Studio Noise and you get more episodes where you can hear from all the artists included in the show in their own words as they talk about their, their work and reflect on the time that's spent and inspired the whole process. So uh, more to come from us. Yo, thank you so much, Jasmine, for including me in this project. Uh, nothing but love for you. <laughs> but prayers for you. You get through it, yo. You can be on the other side. It'll be wonderful, yo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the Bag. Special edition of Studio Noise. Talking with Miss Jasmine Wilson. Want to thank her for thinking about me. Including me in this project. Want to thank the good folks at Stay Home Gallery. For including me in the project. We got a nice little treat. The next two weeks we got nine more episodes. Talking to all the artists from the show. So you get to hear all the insights. All the fun stuff in that. So look forward to that. And then we'll be back after that. More episodes of Studio Noise coming soon you know we never leave you you know we're always there gonna keep you motivated and inspired bringing you the best art conversations with the best black artists that i can get my hands on that's what studio noise is all about check out archive 100 plus episodes and nothing but that goodness so we'll see y'all next week peace <laughs>